Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, Father, as we open your word, we just pray that your spirit would be at work, that you would uh, convict us, that you would help us to see how to run the race before us, and that you would speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, how many of you here like to jog or, or go running? Anybody? Jogging, running, that's something you like to do? Okay, a few of you, okay. I have to admit, I've been jogging many times with many people by myself, with music, without music, and I still don't like it at all. Um, I've heard that sometimes if you run long enough, you get this uh, runner's high, where it's some kind of like feeling of, like the pain goes away, and it's like this euphoric feeling of joy and happiness, and I've never gotten that. Um, so uh, if, if you know how to get that, please talk to me afterward. I'd, I'd love to know how to get that feeling. Um, but um, I asked that question because, as we just read, the author of Hebrews tells us that we also are running um, a race. And as Christians, that is the uh, Christian uh, walk. It's following God and following his word. And uh, I think sometimes maybe as Christians we think, oh, well, you know, not, not everybody is running this race, right? Like, you know, I'm going to kind of cheer on the sidelines. You know, the missionaries, the pastors, the, the super Christians, right? They're the ones running the race. But, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a normal Christian. Like, that's, that's not me and... No, if you're a Christian, you're running the race too. We're all in this race. We're all called to follow God and obey his word. Um, Because if you're a Christian and if God saved you, he did not simply save you just to go to church every Sunday and live a nice, comfortable, easy life. That's not Christianity. That's religion. If you're a Christian, you're called to run the race that is set before you. Um, So, again, in verse 1... The first word is therefore, right? So whenever you see therefore in Scripture, it's usually a good idea to look at the previous verses, right, to find out what the therefore is about. Um, So if you look at chapter 11, um, I don't have time to read it, but it's a um, a list of different heroes of the faith that have run the race and set an example for us. Um, Of course, they did not run it perfectly, but they have left an example for us to follow. And I believe that is what... um, the author of Hebrews is referring to when he says um, a great cloud of witnesses. It's those that have gone before us and have set an example. And of course, ultimately, if we read ahead in verse 3, we have Jesus, and he is our ultimate example. Right? He ran the race perfectly for us. He never sinned, and he is our ultimate example of who we should follow. And the fact that Jesus, who is God, simply said, follow me, right? those two words should be enough to follow Jesus and follow his example. Um, But again, in chapter 11, we see different examples um, of those who ran the race. And again, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by these uh, cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and hindrance. Now, that's important because if it says, let us also, that means those before us also laid aside every hindrance and sin and weight that was before them, right? So if, if they did it, right, we should also 
do the same thing. So I don't have time to read through every person in Hebrews 11, but I want to highlight a few of them. Um, and the first one is Noah, right? We all know Noah built the big ark. And uh, you think about that, though. Maybe you don't know this, but at that time, uh, they had never seen any rain or a big flood, for that matter. Like, the, the plants and the trees were watered from the water coming up through the ground. But they had never seen rain. And so then here God tells Noah, hey, you know, there's going to be this really big flood and a lot of rain, so you've got to build this big, big ark. And, uh, you know, Noah, but he obeyed, and he, he, he didn't care what people thought. But you can imagine all the people around him are, you know, mocking him, making fun of him. Oh, Noah, how's that ark coming? Oh, it still hasn't rained yet. 20 years later, oh, you're still building it. Still hasn't rained. 80 years later, oh, wow, you're still building it. Uh, no rain yet, you know. And, but Noah, he did not care about what people thought of him, right? He didn't care about his reputation. What he cared about is what God thought of him and obeying God. And uh, so ask yourself this morning, is what people think of you, is the approval of man something that you paid too much attention to? Or are you like Noah and you follow God and you don't care what people think of you? You don't care about your reputation. Um, you look at Abraham, right? Abraham gave up comfort and security. The Bible says he was called to go to a foreign land and live in tents. And uh, he was like a, a stranger almost. And uh, Moses did the same thing, right? He grew up in the uh, Pharaoh's temple because he was adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter. He had the best education, the best food, the best everything, and he could have stayed there, right? He was in line to be probably one of the next pharaohs, but God called him to leave and to eventually lead the Israelites. And so Moses, he didn't, um, he gave up comfort and security to follow God. And I think sometimes as Americans and maybe as um, Westerners, we, we put too much emphasis on comfort and security, Right? And those aren't exactly biblical values, are they? They're not bad things, but if you look at the New Testament, um, you look at the disciples and, and Jesus, I don't see a whole lot of comfort and simplicity and, and security. I see risk and I see hardships, and, I, right? and that's how we should be living. Um, so perhaps uh, this morning we need to ask ourselves, are we um, focused too much on comfort and, and security? You look at Abraham also, and he was willing to give up his only son, Isaac, right? Now, he, of course, loved Isaac. He was his only son, and God promised through Isaac, my promises are going to be fulfilled. But then God says, but now I want you to sacrifice Isaac. And um, I, I can't imagine doing that, right? I'm not a father, but um, if God said, give up your only son, that's, wow, I, I, I don't know how he did it. Um, but the reason he did it is because he loved God more than he loved his family. And so as Christians, of course, we're called to love our family, right? We're called to love our, our spouse or our children. But if we love our family more than we love God, that, that's a problem. That, that's idolatry. Because Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to actually hate your father and mother and wife and kids. Now, right, he didn't actually mean hate your, your wife and kids, but in comparison to your love for God, it should look like you don't really, you know, compared to your love for God, your family isn't as important. And so ask yourself this morning, are you loving perhaps someone in your life, a family member, a friend, more than God? Or is God the person that you love the most? Um, you look at Joseph. 
uh, right? Joseph, wow. Um, he's, he's like probably, I want to meet a lot of people when I get to heaven, but like Joseph is like one of the, he's one of the top people I want to meet. Because um, like, you know, like think about it. He was, he was sold by his brothers into slavery, right? And then he was uh, taken to this Egypt and had a really difficult life. And then finally things start going his way, right? And then, you know, Potiphar's wife tempts him to, you know, sleep with her. And, you know, it would have been very easy for Joseph to justify, uh, you know, Lord, like, this life hasn't exactly gone the way I wanted it to. And, you know, like, life's been difficult. And, you know, I, I deserve a little happiness. I deserve a little gratification. And, and, you know, Potiphar's wife is asking me to. And, you know, I'm supposed to honor Potiphar. So, you know, I, I should, it's okay. You know, but no, he didn't do that. He valued his integrity more than a short sexual gratification. And so perhaps um, some of you this morning, um, that's something that you need to uh, repent of. There's some kind of sexual sin, addiction, whether it's pornography or looking at inappropriate movies or um, music. Um, God calls us to live with integrity, as Joseph did. And uh, Joseph, too, he was willing to lose his job in order to keep his integrity, right? Um, by saying no to Potiphar's wife, he ended up going to, to jail. Um, and, uh, but he didn't, he didn't care about his job. He, he cared about following God. And so um, perhaps this morning, you know, your job and your, your, your reputation at work, perhaps that's too important to you. Um, perhaps God wants you to, to take a stand at work and maybe witness or, or tell your friends you're a Christian or, or something. But, but you're afraid to, and, oh, I don't know what people will think of me. And, and uh, perhaps we need to be like Joseph, who, who did not care about losing his job. He cared more about obeying God and walking in integrity. Um, so, you know, there's many more examples in Hebrews 11. But the point is, right, they gave up sins, they gave up things in order to follow God. Um, so, you know, maybe those people, they don't really apply to you. Maybe you're, you know, you're not uh, tempted to, you know, have an affair. I don't know. But um, the point is, we all have things we need to repent of. We all have sins. We all have things that we fall short in. Um, but, you know, you, you may say, oh, well, you know, Kevin, I'm, I'm, I'm not that bad. Like, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I, I go to church. I, I don't do this. I don't do that. Like, you know, I, I'm okay. Um, and uh, mm, be careful with that attitude because it's, it's very pharisaical, right? Because the Pharisees they thought they were good. They're like, oh, Jesus, we're we're good. We we follow all the commands. We're we're good. Like we don't have anything to repent of. And Jesus is like, no, your outside is good, but your inside is full of sin and dirt, and you you need to be cleansed. Um, and so we should not be comparing ourselves to other people, right? We should be comparing ourselves to God, because His standard is perfection. Um, and when we start to compare ourselves to other Christians. We start to get kind of puffed up, and oh, I'm I'm pretty good. Like I, I go to church twice a week, and oh man, I I don't do this, and you know. But no, the standard is God's standard and, and holiness. Um, and uh, if you're still having a hard time, read Matthew chapter five through seven sometime, because that reminds us again. God looks at our hearts. He looks at our motivations for why we do things, and that's what Jesus is most concerned about. Um, and uh, but, you know, it's, it's still sometimes to really mm, realize how much we need Jesus. It's, it's hard to realize how broken we are. Um, so I want to read a list that's basically from the Bible 
it's a couple of verses I kind of made in a list. And just as I'm reading, ask yourself if any of these are perhaps struggles in your life and perhaps if any of these are things that you need to confess and repent of. Um, so loving God and walking in holiness, it means these things. Um, resisting the temptation to be judgmental or self-righteous or critical. It means being more committed to reconciliation than to being right. It means not judging the success of your life by how big your house is or how big your bank account is, but by how much and how well you love God and love people. It means not letting any unwholesome or impure talk come out of your mouth. It means being willing to grant and seek forgiveness. It means being open to correction and loving criticism and godly rebuke. It means being quick to listen. This one's hard for me because I like to talk and I like, to, you know, but no, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Um, it means not having a hint of sexual immorality. It means considering others more important than yourself. It means not allowing any possession, relationship, or interests to become more important or valuable than God in your life. Uh, so I think I think we get the point. Uh, I think there's right there's something in that list that we probably need to work on, right? That we need to repent of, and we need to say, God, hey, uh, that's a sin that I need to I need to confess, and it's preventing me from following you and from running the race. Um, and so, again, look back at verse 1 in chapter 12. Right? So we should lay aside every weight and every sin that clings so closely. And then look at the next part. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, so that's, that word endurance is important. Um, it's important because as Christians, we still sin. Right? I still sin. I still mess up. I still stumble. I'm not perfect. And, but I think sometimes as Christians we have this temptation when we mess up or when we sin, oh, woe, woe is me, I've done it again, and oh, I'm such a bad Christian, and oh, God, why, you don't love me, and oh, I'm just, I'm such a bad person, and oh, oh, you know, and we throw this pity party and this false humility, and oh, I'm so bad, and, and God's like, no, don't do that, like, run with endurance, like, we're, we're in a race right now, and so yes, like, you've sinned, but I love you, and I'm patient, and I'm compassionate, so, so get back up, and let, let's keep going. Um, so that's what it means to run with endurance. It's like when you sin, like, yes, like, repent. Like, take it seriously, but don't just, um, I'm such a bad Christian. Um, I can't, uh, you know, like, no, no, no. Like, run the race. Keep going. Don't, don't give up. Um, okay, so I heard this illustration in college, and it really stuck with me. So imagine you're playing basketball. Um, even if you're not athletic, just pretend you are, and you're really good. And um, So you're, you're playing basketball, right? And then, like, in the middle of the game, you just you kind of trip and you fall, or maybe someone kind of pushes you over. And uh, imagine if like you've fallen down, and then this is like, and this is how you respond. And you're like, oh, uh, coach, coach, uh, I, I fell down and, and it hurts, and and he pushed me, and and, and I skinned my knee, and, and it hurts, and I can't get up, and uh, I, I can't do it. And but while the game is going on, right? Like you, you wouldn't do that. I hope you wouldn't. Maybe like if. Maybe if you're like in junior high and like, you know, but like, you know, college or NBA, you don't, you don't see players doing that, right? Like if you did, the coach would be like, what are you, what are you doing? You're, get back up. There's a, there's a, there's a basketball game going on still. Like, what, what are you doing? You know? Um, 
So in the same way, like spiritually, we're in a game, we're in a battle, we're in a fight. And sometimes we fall, we stumble. But uh, don't don't just stay down and oh I can't get up and oh, no no like get back up, repent and let's keep going. Don't 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 just stay down. Like you wouldn't do that in a basketball game. So don't do it in the Christian life either. Um, okay, now look back at verse one. Notice how the author says, uh, throw off every sin and hindrance or, or weight that so easily entangles or that, that clings so closely. So there's a difference between hindrances and sins. Do you see that? There, there's a difference. Um, and I think most of us know what, what sin is. Like, you know, it's, we know when we're doing something wrong, right? But, but hindrances, what, what, what's he talking about? Um, so I used to play soccer. Uh, which is a little ironic because, as you know, I, I don't like to run. And uh, of all the sports, I think soccer probably involves the most running of any sport. I should have chose golf or, or ping pong. or some, For some reason, I chose soccer. Anyways, um, but, you know, when I played soccer, I, I changed my diet, and I, I chose not to drink soft drinks, and I chose not to eat candy, and I chose to eat more fruits and vegetables. And, you know, and I, and I, didn't, I didn't have to do those things, right? It's not a sin to have a cookie, but, you know, I wanted to be good at soccer. Like, some of you know I'm, I'm pretty competitive, and uh, I, I wanted to win, right? So I was like, okay, well, I'm, even though cookies and, and ice cream taste good, I, I want to I win, so I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to drink, you know, soft drinks and sugar. And, and, uh, and so in the same way, there's, there's things in our life that they're not maybe sinful, but they prevent us from really running the race the way God wants us to. Um, they prevent us from really loving God wholeheartedly. Um, so what, what are those things? Um, perhaps it's spending too much time on Facebook. Perhaps it's watching too much TV or YouTube videos. Perhaps it's eating too much food or, or dessert. Um, perhaps it's spending too much time and money going shopping. Uh, perhaps it's letting your smartphone control you instead of you controlling your smartphone. Um, Perhaps it's being the perfect student or the perfect spouse or the perfect parent at the expense of spending time with God and really loving him wholeheartedly. Um, so again, you know, things like Facebook, smartphones, and, and shopping, you know, those aren't sin. I, I do those things. I, I have Facebook. I, I go shopping, right? So that's not the issue. But um, if you're spending more time on Facebook than you are in the book, namely the Bible, that's, that's a problem. Um, if, you're, uh, if you spend more money shopping than you do giving to God, that might be a problem. Um, if you spend more time watching TV or, or YouTube than you do in prayer, that, that might be a problem. That might be a hindrance. Um, so, again, ask yourself, are, are there things in your life that are hindering you from really following God and loving him wholeheartedly? And they may not even be sins. Like when I was in uh, college, I, uh, I, I mean, I still do, but I love sports, and I used to watch ESPN and read all the articles about, you know, the Detroit Lions, even though they're a terrible team. And um, <laughs> I was kind of crazy back then. Um, but, I, you know, I loved the Lions, and so I'd read every article. And, and actually, I enjoyed, this is kind of bad, but well, in high school, I enjoyed going, I enjoyed watching football more than I enjoyed going to church. Um, and God really convicted me about that. And, you know, football, it's not a sin, but it was an idol, and I, I loved football, and I loved ESPN more than I did God and the Bible. And God convicted me of that. And so 
I actually went a whole semester, and I just didn't do any ESPN, no sports shows, no, no nothing, just for a whole semester, because I realized it was a hindrance, and I, I gave it up. And um, so now, like, I still look at ESPN, but I, I've learned to, right, to keep it in check, to keep it in balance, and not let it uh, consume more of my time than things like prayer and, and serving and, and ministry. Um, and, uh, you know, the reason is, it's like, God's not, uh, he wants us to enjoy life, right? He gives us good gifts, but uh, he's, a, he's a jealous God, and, and he wants our whole hearts. And so if there's things in our life that are, right, preventing us from really loving him, God's like, no, like, I, I want you, I want your whole heart, right? Um, so, okay, so imagine, everybody imagine for a second, think of you like your best friend, okay, or a really good friend. Okay, you got someone, really good friend you care about, you, you spend time with them, okay? Now imagine you're, you're hanging out with your friend, and then you, uh, for some reason, you started to get in the habit of, of gossiping, and you start to gossip about someone to your friend, and then your friend's like, hey, hey, hey uh, you know, I, can, could you not gossip? Like, it kind of bothers me, like, I, I don't like listening to gossip, so could you stop, please? Oh, sure, so, yeah, sorry, I didn't know, I'll, I'll stop, right? And then the next day, Oh, hey, did you hear about Susie? Like, oh my goodness, it was so embarrassing. She, uh, can you, sorry, did, did you forget? Like, I, I don't like gossiping. Oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. Whoopsie, you know, next day. Hey, did you hear about Bobby? Oh my goodness, it was, oh, oh that's right, you don't like gossiping. Oh, but it's really funny. You really got to hear about it. You know, like, I really hope you wouldn't do that, right? Like, if you really care about someone, and if you're doing something that, that bothers them, like, you'd stop, right? Like, if that bothers that person, and you really care about that friend, and they say, hey, please don't do that, I'd hope you'd stop. And let's say you didn't. Um, I think that friend would either, A, stop hanging out with you. I probably would, you know. Or, B, if he's, like, a super friend or she and, like, is just, for some reason, still chooses to spend time with you, he'd probably just, he or she'd probably just give up asking you to stop gossiping, right? Because clearly, you don't care if that bothers them, and they've asked you and asked you and asked you, but you just keep on gossiping. They'd probably give up, right? Um, okay, now take it a level up. Um, if you're married, think about your spouse, and if you're not married, pretend you are. Um, <laughs> now, let, let's say your spouse asks you to stop doing something, um, hey, hey, honey, could you, could you stop, like, taking a second look at women? Could you stop flirting with other women, please? Like, it really bothers me. Um, or could you, you know, could you stop leaving the dirty laundry on the ground? Like, you know, I, it's just, could you just take care of it, please? You know, um, or whatever it is. I, I don't know. But I'm sure if you're married, your spouse has asked you to, to do or to not do things, right? Um, and, and I'd hope if you're, you know, if you love your spouse, right, you'd, you'd, you'd stop. Right? Like if, you're, if your spouse is like, hey, hey, that, that bothers me, could, could you stop, please? Like if you love them, you, you'd stop, right? Or you'd, you'd at least try to make an effort, right? Um, so how much more then, right, should we do the same things with Christ? Like because biblically, he is our groom, and spiritually we are his bride. We're married to him, um, so, you know, if we wouldn't, uh, and so that's why Hebrews says, like, get rid of every sin and every hindrance, right? Because if we wouldn't do those things to our friends or our, our spouses, why, why do we think it's okay to do it to God, to Jesus? Um, 
So let's review. Um, first one, we see that we're running a spiritual race, right? We should run with endurance, right? Don't give up when you sin. Get back up, repent, keep going. Um, we need to throw off every sin and every hindrance, even the things that may not be sins, but if they're preventing you from loving God, then maybe you should give it up. Um, so then the question becomes, okay, well, how? How do we run this race? How do we, how do we give up every sin? How do we run with endurance? Uh, look at verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God, or the throne of God. So, it's uh, pretty simple. We just, we look to Jesus. Um, now, <laughs> we don't actually see Jesus every day with our physical eyes, right, as Christians, right? Unless you're having some kind of experience that I'm missing out on. If, you're, if you see Jesus every day with your eyes, please, please let me know, but... Um, I think so, right? So it doesn't mean literally, right? So what, what does it mean, like looking to Jesus? Um, I think it means a couple things. Um, I think it means looking to him in prayer, right, to help us, to, to sustain us, to help us change into his image. Um, and uh, because he's the founder of our faith, he's the originator, and so when you believe in Jesus, then you've become a child of his, um, so we run the race by looking to Jesus in prayerful dependence. And we look at the example that Jesus gave us. Um, verse 2 says that he endured uh, right, the cross. He endured the pain, the shame. The, uh, and, but why? why? Why did Jesus do that? Why, why did Jesus go to the cross? Why did, why did he suffer like he did? Uh, there's a couple of reasons, but as we see in verse 2, for the joy that was set before him, right? So I think the joy, there's a couple of things, right? There's the joy of simply obeying his father. Um, he, he obeyed his father every day he was on earth. And I think just the joy of saying, okay, father, even though if there was another way I would choose it, like, I want to obey you, right? And uh, in part knowing, okay, this pain is going to be temporary and this cross is going to be really difficult, but I know after I'll be in heaven and the pain will be gone. But I think perhaps the um, one of the biggest joys that he's referring to was the joy of saving right, his lost sheep, of saving those he came for. Um, the joy of making a way for sinners to be reconciled. The joy of knowing that one day in heaven, every tribe and tongue and nation will be in heaven with him again. I think that's the joy he was thinking about. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's a profound thought. Just just think about that for a second. Like, okay, God, who's, who's perfect, who's all-powerful, who's the creator of everything, uh, he, he, he loves us, and he, broken, sinful, rebellious, uh, you know, children that we are, and yet God still loves us, and us being in heaven with him, like, that brings God joy. That, that, that's amazing to think about, that we, we bring God joy in being with God. That brings God joy. Um, and it reminds me of the psalmist David who said, you know, what is man that you are mindful of him? Uh, and so despite our brokenness, God still loves us. He is the lovesick father in Luke 15 who is waiting for his lost son to come home. He is the good shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep go after the one that was lost. And uh, 
searching for the lost one. And God is searching. He's searching for you this morning. Um, and so, you know, perhaps, perhaps you've never put your faith in, in Jesus. Perhaps you're still trying to figure it out. And, uh, but, you know, maybe you say, oh, yeah, well, it's, it's okay, because I, I believe in God, right? I believe there's a God, and, uh, but, but that's, that's not enough, because even the demons, they believe that God is one, and they, they tremble in fear. So it's not just enough to say, oh, okay, God, I believe in you. Um, and uh, it's not enough just to, to, to be a good person, um, right, and to go to church every week, uh, because it says that for by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, which basically means no matter how good you try to be, you can't earn God's forgiveness. You can't earn your way to heaven because we always fall short. And that's why uh, Jesus came. That's why he became a human. That's why he ran the race perfectly for us because he knew that as humans we were going to always fall short. And he knew that uh, someone had to pay the punishment for our sins, right? Because our sins... God is a holy God, and so he hates sin. He's a perfect holy God, and he can't stand sin. But he loves us, and so he sent Jesus, right, to take our punishment. And that's why he died on the cross, to take our, our sin, our punishment that we deserved. And then he rose again three days later. And so if you simply admit, God, yeah, I'm, I'm broken, I'm a sinner, and I, I fall so short. And uh, if you... Um, believe in him and you receive his forgiveness, uh, you can be born again and you can go to heaven one day. And that's as simple as that. Um, but if you have not done that, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't wait. Don't put it off because this, you know, tomorrow is not promised to us. We don't know how long we're going to live. We could die tonight. We could die tomorrow. We don't know. So, so don't, don't put it off. Um, so that's how we, uh, we run the race. First, you've got to become a Christian, because you can't run the race if you're not a Christian. And then, once you've trusted in Jesus, we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, or the captain of our faith. Because Jesus, he, he's constantly helping us and speaking to us and growing us and sanctifying us and, and teaching us how to walk with him. And um, he's our great high priest who's constantly praying for us and, and interceding for us. Um, and so we run the race by looking to Jesus to help us and to confess and to give, uh, repent of sin. So, uh, again, look at your life. What, what do you do, maybe? What if, um, you know, um, you care too much about what people think of you? Maybe that's the thing that you realize, wow, I, I gotta, that's not good. Uh, you just turn to God and just say, God, help me. Change my attitude and, and help me to love you more than I care about what people think of me. Uh, perhaps you've made an idol out of comfort and security. Uh, think about Jesus, right, who's God. When he was doing his public ministry, he probably never had his own home, right? He was always on the move, right? Now, it's not bad to have a home. You know, that's, that's fine. But uh, maybe God wants you to go on a short-term missions trip to, like, a third-world country and to realize that countries like Japan and America are, are very blessed. But a lot of countries... Uh, they don't have that. They don't have heat, and they don't have a roof over their heads, and they don't have clean water, and they don't have a lot of the things that we have. Um, or maybe getting out of your comfort zone means talking to that homeless person, right? You see at Shinjuku or Shibuya, 
and you're afraid to talk to them because well, they're, they're different than you and they're, and they're smelly and, and you don't speak Japanese and well, you can probably say hello, right? I think everybody can say hello in Japanese and uh, they're probably hungry, so you can probably give them a granola bar or something to drink, right? You can do that, can't you? And to the homeless person who every day hundreds of people pass by him and never say hello, just saying hello and giving a granola bar could be the most uh, kindest thing they'll receive in the whole year. Um, and what do you do if you maybe love someone more than you love God? And then you just repent and say, God, hey, I realize I love this person too much and I've got to change that. I, I want to love you more, God. Uh, what do you do if you're struggling with some kind of sexual sin? Uh, you know, do what Joseph did and just flee. Just run away. Get out of the situation. Or maybe you've got to get an accountability partner. Or maybe you've got to throw away some DVDs. Or maybe throw away your TV and your computer altogether. You know, do whatever it takes. Um, and what if you have a hard time standing up for Jesus at work? Um, can I tell you something? Uh, unless you have the gift of evangelism, being bold and courageous and sharing the gospel, it does not come naturally for me. Okay, I think sometimes people have this stereotype of missionaries of like, oh, well, he's a missionary, so you know, sharing the gospel and, and being bold, that just comes naturally and it's easy for him because he's a missionary and you know, it's hard for me too. You know, it's, I don't have the gift of evangelism. It's hard to walk up to people I don't know and start talking to them. Um, and so that's why every day, almost every day, I have to just get on my knees and say, God, uh, help me, because there's people that need you, and I'm naturally kind of scared, and it's not easy for me, but uh, these people need to hear you. So Jesus, change my heart and help me to talk to people about you, because they need to hear, but I can't do it. Um, so change my heart. And i got to do that. You know, missionaries, we're... Uh, it doesn't come naturally to it, to us. Um, so, you know, I don't know what it is in your life that you need to confess, but I know that every day there's things that we need to say, God, change my heart. Um, and uh, just every day, I'd, I'd encourage you, when you wake up or when you go to sleep, before you go to sleep, just get on your knees and say, God, is there anything that I need to confess? Is there anything I'm doing today or that I've done today that, that displeases you, that bothers you? And uh, just about every time I do that, almost without exception, God always reveals something, whether it's an attitude or an action or something I said or something I didn't say. Like pretty much every time when I just say, God, what have I done that, that displeases you? Almost always God's spirit immediately is like, oh, what about this, Kevin? What about this? And so I have to confess and I say, God, okay, help me, change me. Um, so as we press into 2016, uh, let's make it the year that we really run the race, that we walk in deeper holiness. Um, may it be a year that we spend more time in confession and repentance. Because um, I believe when we start to do that, we're going to see revival in this church and in this country. And uh, the thing is, though, before we're going to see a revival in Japan, before that happens, we have to see it in our own hearts. And if we don't have revival in our own hearts... We're not going to see it in this church, and we're not going to see it in this country. And so uh, that's my challenge for myself and for us is let's, let's, re- let's, let's seek God, let's repent, let's, God, I want to run this race, and uh, help me do it. Um, and let's just stand back and, uh, and watch what God does this year as we run the race and as we look to him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we pray.
praise you and we lift up your name and we thank you that you have saved us and that you love us and that you have given us Jesus to help us run this race, to give us an example, someone that we can turn to in prayer, God, because we need help every day. And so thank you that we have Jesus. And um, God, I don't know uh, where you know everybody is at. I don't know what sins, what things need to be confessed, but uh, for a moment, let's just take a, by ourselves, just take a moment and ask God to reveal what he wants you to confess, what he wants you to change in this year. Uh, so just take a moment and search your heart and, and ask God, what, what do you want me to change? Uh, and perhaps if you're not a Christian, perhaps that's the first thing he's asking you is, uh, are you ready to become a Christian? So just take a moment and uh, ask God. Holy Spirit, thank you for convicting us, for speaking to us, for changing us. God, we look to you. We admit that we fall short, that we need your grace every moment of every day. And God, I pray that you would change our hearts this year and give us a heart that seeks after you, that runs the race, that... uh, realizes how short this life is. And uh, God, we look to you because we can't do it in our own strength. And so change our hearts and help us to realize how much we need you. And if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, God, I pray that before they leave, they would, in their own chair or on the walk home or talking to me or one of the deacons, I pray that they would um, put their faith in you and that they'd be born again so that they can start running the race. So God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. And thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.